Um, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. You remember, um, talked about the fact that um, Jesus has a name that's above every name. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, says this, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue confesses, every knee bows to the name of Jesus. And it's very important, God exalted him. Man didn't. God chose him. Man didn't. And he gave him a name that is above every name. And in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, we read, um, What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And we looked at it how the name of Jesus is the only name. And you remember the Sanhedrin, when they tackled Jesus, the one thing they wanted to do was stop him. They said, preach healing, preach deliverance, just don't use that name. All we want is to stop you using that name because that name is where our problem lies. And so we looked at it on Friday, went through the various scriptures right through Acts of the Apostles. They were persecuted because of the name they used. And in this day and age, there's one thing that happens, and that is people will have ethics, morals. They'll have all sorts of things taught. But once you say it's Jesus, and once you bring them back to the gospel, they get offended. When you tell them there's only one name under heaven whereby men can be saved, it's the name Jesus, that's when they get offended. There is only one God. There's only one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one name. And God's put that name above every name. And that is where problems come. Spurgeon says this, he says, He saves us for his name's sake. What does that mean? I think it means this. The name of God is his person, his attributes, and his nature. For his nature's sake, for his very attributes' sake, he saved men. And perhaps we may include this also. My name is in him. That is, in Christ. He saves us for the sake of Christ, who is the name of God. And what does this mean? I think it means this. He saved them first that he might manifest his nature. God is love, and he wanted to manifest it. He did show it when he made the sun, the moon, the stars, and scattered flowers, or all green fields and laughing earth. He did show his love when he made the air balmy to the body, 
and the sunshine cheering to the eye. He gives us warmth even in winter by the clothing and the fuel that he has stored in the bowels of the earth. But he wanted to reveal himself still more. How can I show them that I love them with all my infinite heart? I will give them my son to die to save the very worst of them. So will I manifest my nature. And God has done it. He has manifested his power, his justice, his love, his faithfulness, and his truth. He has manifested his whole self on the great platform of salvation. It was, so to speak, the balcony on which God stepped to show himself to man, the balcony of salvation. Here it is he manifests himself by saving men's souls. He did it also to vindicate his name. He says, I will save the worst of sinners and vindicate my name. I will blot out the stigma. I will remove the slur. They shall not be able to say anything against me unless they be filthy liars, for I will be abundantly merciful. I will take away this stain and they shall see that my name is the name of love. For there is salvation for everyone who makes mention of the name of Christ and for none other. His name is above every name. Every devil, every demon, every principality, every power in this earth, hey, they're caught. Jesus is the name that's above every name. Do you believe that this morning? Amen? So we're not talking about um, doctrine or theory. We're talking about the name of Christ. And that's what's so important. So many people, they get hooked up with the wrong things. And so often today, you've got people in superstition, in, in religion, where they want to say, oh, well, uh, you know, there's devils, there's demons, there's principalities, there's powers. But look, Jesus Christ has overcome them all. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. And, and there is no name under heaven that's above his name. And that means throughout the whole earth. Uh, I tell people when I go to Africa, you know, Muhammad's dead. Buddha's dead. Confucius is dead. Doesn't matter what philosophy you've got, they're dead. Plato's dead. Socrates is dead. They're dead. They're gone. But the one I believe in, Jesus, he's alive. He's risen. He lives. That's the difference. Muhammad can't heal. Jesus heals. Buddha can't heal. Jesus heals. Because he's alive. They worship a dead God. I worship the living God. And that's the difference. We, we know whom we worship. We know who he is. He's risen from the dead and he's alive and he's mighty. And it's not a philosophy. It's his life in us. And I want to go on and talk about today not only the name but there's one more thing and that's the word and you'll find it over in John's gospel chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was God same was in the beginning with God you all know it or you should in the beginning was the word let me just flick back. Um, there's one scripture I want to make clear. Go back to Acts. I just want to 
bring the people who weren't here on Friday up to date. Um, in Acts um, chapter 3, when Peter and John had healed the man who'd sat at the, the gate of the temple, beautiful, uh, and then, you know, he was healed, then they said, and, and they said very plainly, uh, it's not by our power that we do it. And he made, um, he made it clear, verse 16 of Acts 3, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong. The name and faith in the name makes a man strong. And so often we forget that it's in the name of Jesus. It's the nature of God to heal. It's the nature of God to deliver. It's the nature of God to forgive. It's the nature of God to reach us, save us from our sin. God cares for us as humanity. And he sent his son for you and for me. And for all in the world who believe on his name. And his name is above every name. Every principality, every power. And so I want to go on from there. Oh, oh no, let's just take um, chapter 4. Um, when the council of the Sanhedrin got up and they got very upset, uh, verse 14 of chapter 4, and beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. They wanted to stop the disciples saying it was in the name of Jesus it was done. It was the name of, of Jesus Christ. This man was made whole. If we can stop them using the name, and that's what modern world does. It wants to, what it wants to do is tell everyone there's only one way. You know, any way goes to God. It's the same God. It doesn't matter. Uh, all religions are equally valid. No, they're not. I'm a believer. There's only one way to God, Jesus Christ. There's only one way into life, Jesus Christ. And Christians stand up and they tell people, hey, you're wrong, there's only one name. Does that mean everyone else is wrong? Yeah. Quite right. I'm not ashamed of that. Now, you see, they had a problem, the Sanhedrin. Hey, stop. You can say anything you like, just don't use that name. And that's what happens today. They want to teach children in school, teach them ethics, teach them morals, but remove Christianity. That's wrong. You see, our beliefs come from the scriptures both Old Testament and New Testament. That's where moral codes come from. They say we can't understand why children no longer live right. I'll tell you why they don't live right, because they've abandoned it. They've abandoned the principles of God. They said, take that name out. Teach them how to be good citizens. What is a good citizen? Someone who lives by the principles of God. God's principles are only known through Jesus Christ. 
They're only known through the true God. They're not known some other way. They're only known through him. And we come to declare his name in the earth. We want everyone to know that there is no other saviour but Jesus. There's no other healer but Jesus. There's no one who died to save men from their sins but Jesus Christ. There's no one else who bled and died on Calvary's tree on the cross but Jesus Christ. And he did it to take your sin and my sin into his own body. He did it to take our diseases, our bondages, and he rose again the third day from the dead and is alive. And that's offensive to those who want just a moral code with no true values from God. It's offensive to society that wants to water everything down and say, oh no, no, what we feel is right and what the majority feels right is right. No, what God says is right. Amen? You know, it's not my opinion, it's God's opinion. What God says, his word says, is what counts. And so I want to look now, name we've dealt with, now the word. In John chapter 1, John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. God and the Word are one. You can't take away the Word from God, because in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. You can't ever divorce the word. Now we have the name, and now we have the word. And the most important thing to understand is you can't take one from the other. And please understand, when I talk of word, I'm talking of logos and rhema, which are identically, interchangeably the same thing. I mean, the word of God is the word of God. And Jesus is the Logos. Well, if he's the Logos, that's it. And if he's the Rhema, that's it. He's everything. He is the Word. He was, always is, always shall be. Okay? And what God says is what God says. Say, well, it's got to be spoken to me. Well, God's already spoken it to you through the mouth of his prophets. So all you've got to do is read it and believe it. Simple as that. Okay? You'll notice uh, when the word came, Acts chapter 6. If you go with me to Acts chapter 6. And I want to talk about the word. I know the name is the nature. The word is how the nature is expressed. The name speaks of nature. It speaks of the, all the attributes of God. But then there's the word, and in Acts 6, verse 2, we, we read, um, in uh, verse, um, Acts 6, verse 2, 
they say this, Then the twelve called the multitudes of the disciples unto them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. In other words, we don't want to get so caught up with the practical things we forget that our business is the word of God. And you'll find over in verse 4, we, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And when they did that, you'll find in verse 7, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Now do notice that the word is the thing. There's never been a revival by prayer. And that's a deception. Always has been a deception. It is one of the modern deceptions. People think if you fast and pray, you'll bring revival. That has never brought revival. It's the word. If you read the scriptures, you'll find it was the word preached. And here the, the apostles say, we're going to give ourselves to the word. We're not going to get caught up in the practicalities of life. The church has grown. There's loads of widows that need looking after. Appoint seven men full of the Holy Ghost to work that out. But as for us, we're going to give ourselves to the Word. And the moment they do that, the Word of God increased. And so did the disciples. And you have to understand that when preaching comes and the teaching of the Word, that produces life. It produces born-again people. It produces healing. It produces miracles. The Word of God. The Bible says he sent forth his Word and healed them. It's not some magic. It's not some uh, superstition. It's not some occult power. It's the Word of God. That's what does the power. That's what does the miracle. That's what changes the life, the Word. And there is nothing else. He sent forth his word. And so the disciples suddenly discover, they say, hey, we're getting caught up with the wrong things. Let's get back to what we should be doing. And the result was quite apparent. The word of God, verse 7, increased, and the number of disciples multiplied. In other words, a church will multiply when the word is preached. It's not gifting, it's not speaking in tongues, it's not so-called prophecy, it's not some great gift, it's the Word of God. The Word of God's the touchstone. And when that really is preached, then there's multiplication. Wherever you go in the world, and I've been all over the world, wherever I go, I find that the one thing that marks out the work of God is where the word's preached. You can get a lot of people into church if you make entertainment. If you have a kind of strumming guitars and people in, well, modern music. As far as I'm concerned, that doesn't bring life. You never find miracles there. You never find life there. What you find there is a lot of people being entertained every Sunday and you've got to have a new gimmick. But basically, the Word of God is the touchstone. And God promises to always multiply where His Word is spoken. And I believe Him. Don't you? Okay, let's look on. You see, it's not just in one place. In Acts chapter 8. 
Acts chapter 8. Uh, you remember there was a persecution, verse 1, uh, and Saul was consenting to his death at Stephen, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was, was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Um, in um, verse 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? preaching the word you notice they didn't set up groups of singers they didn't say well now we've got to get um, a building now we've got to get music now we've got to get a choir I love a choir I love music but that isn't what brings life the word does and they went everywhere preaching the word and verse 14 tells you the results um, verse 14 now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God they sent unto them Peter and John who when they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost for as yet he was fallen upon none of them only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost now do understand the disciples at Jerusalem, the only thing they heard was, hey, there's a group of people down there, they've received the word of God. They've heard the word and they've received it, they've accepted it, they believe it. And so they sent the apostles. And the whole basis of any church, any life, any individual is the word of God. It isn't some mystical thing, it's the word. And God doesn't bypass your brain. Sometimes he might find it hard to find your brain, but he doesn't bypass it. God wants to get inside, and, and it, it, he wants you to understand. You believe by a function of your will. You accept what's said. And the word of God, when Jesus spoke, he always spoke very plainly, simply. It wasn't mystical. It wasn't some mystical experience. It was a very simple logical explanation you have a need you're a sinner you're alienated from God you need to be reconciled to the God of heaven and there's only one Savior his name is Jesus and if you're not reconciled to God you're on your way to hell now that's not God's desire he loves you he sent his son to redeem you his son died on Calvary's tree for you he took all your sin into his own body on the tree. He took the penalty of it, the power of it. He died to it. Third day he rose again from the dead. He wants to save you. He wants to transform your life inwardly. He wants everything to be different. That was the gospel. They went around preaching that. Now when we talk about preaching the word, they, they hadn't got the Bible. The New Testament wasn't written. When Luke wrote this, um, and Acts of the Apostles only covers 33 years according to the theologians and I suppose they're right I can't say I'm sure they're right but it covers 33 years of the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit was to proclaim the name Jesus and to lift him up and to share the word of God but what they shared Paul often got up and he shared what had happened to him 
and he shared what had happened to other people. It wasn't a matter of um, there was some theological or doctrinal statement. The word was life. It's practical. If you go to a church and you learn all about the Bible, but you don't apply it to yourself, then it's dead. Scripture's got to apply to you. Hey, it's all very well for Jesus to die 2,000 years ago, take your sin and my sin into his own body on the tree. But if I don't know it inside my own self, if I don't experience forgiveness and know I'm forgiven because of what he's done for me, then it's just a doctrine, a teaching. Might as well have any teaching. If it doesn't work in your life, it's not any use to you. A lot of people go to church, but it doesn't change their lives. They walk into church every week, and they sing, and they might dance, they might clap their hands, but when they walk out the door, they live like a devil. It doesn't change them. But life comes when Jesus comes inside, and your whole life is transformed. And the word has to be lived to be effective. It doesn't become alive till you live it. Jesus likened it to the fact of a man, you know, two men went out and they built houses. One built it on a rock, the other built it on sand. Both look the same. Both appear the same. But when trials come, the way you find out who's who is the man who really hears the word and does it is built on a rock and he can withstand the storms of life. Because no matter what you do in life, you're going to come across problems. No matter what you do, you're going to face trials. You're going to face things in life, aren't you? Hello? Now when you face them, what determines the type of person you are is whether you're living the Word of God and actually doing it. When, if you're one of those and God has become a living to you, then when the trials come, you just go straight through them. They don't touch you. When they take you down, it's because you're not living the word. It's just doctrine to you. It's just ideas. When you live it, it's life. And no matter what hits your life, you live and walk through it. And the storms might beat, the waters might rise, but can't move you. You know. I know whom I have believed. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. All right? Hello? You understand that? Are you sure? I want to go on. Next scripture. Okay, eyes down. It's good you've got a Bible. You can't go wrong. Acts 11. In Acts 11. You'll read this, and the apostles and brethren, in verse 1, that were in Judea, heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Now went his in to men uncircumcised, and did eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying, and then he told them the story. You can read that in your own time. But the thing the apostles noted was 
hey, the Gentiles have received the word just like we did. Uh, and the Jewish Christians got very offended. They said, look, this should be only for us. What's happened with the Gentiles? And Peter made it plain they'd received the word. It happened just like it happened to us. And in uh, Acts 12, you'll find the same thing. In verse... Um, Oh, I like this. Um, verse 21, And upon a set day Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, uh, chapter 12, verse uh, 21, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied. I love that. Old Herod got his comeuppance. How about that? God slew him. Uh, I believe in that. And it was eaten with worms. Not very pleasant, is it? Um, a rapid decomposition. Uh, he decomposed. Uh, and that was the end of Herod. But the word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. Okay, in Acts 14, you'll find the same thing. Always the word. Acts 14, verse 3. Um, Long time therefore they abode, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace, and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. When the word of his grace came, God granted signs and wonders. And you'll always find signs and wonders happen wherever the word is preached. Miracles are a part of the word. Now it doesn't mean that miracles won't happen some other way, they do. Um, I know that there are things that happen just because they happen. I don't know why they happen. Uh, I know there's people with powers that I believe are evil powers because it's not in the name of Jesus but they actually work and happen. And you can't deny they happen. And those powers operate, but wherever the word of God is preached, signs follow. Wherever the word of God is held, signs follow. So it's not just the name, it's the word. And what the word is, is telling people what Jesus is to us, what his attributes is, his nature is, his life is, it's preaching Christ. Not preaching ourselves, but preaching Him. The only thing that matters is not what I am, but what He's done for me. When I came into the Gospel, it wasn't, I wasn't convinced by someone saying anything about me. It was what God had done for me. He died for me. He rose again from the third day. He's alive. He took my sin into His own body. 
It was all the things that Jesus had done for me. And the testimony of the word is always telling people, hey, what God has done for you. The gospel is good news. It's the power of God to salvation. But you've always got to bring people back to the cross. And the cross is the offense. But the thing is, all I'm telling people is, hey, Jesus loves you. You can be different. The only reason you are what you are today is because that's what you want to be. Christ has made a way for your whole life to change. And the good news is, he and his name is over everything. There's no power in heaven or earth above the name of Jesus. Thank God for that. Let's go on, look at uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, let's take verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what God intends, the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost that you're a lover of God and a lover of man. Because out there, man has no answer. In here, we know. When despair comes to others, we know what God says, what God does. And we're confident of him. Then it goes on, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen? Amen. It's the power that works in us. And the power that works in us is the word. When I believe that word, it has tremendous power. That word is creative. When God speaks, it's creative. Everything God says is true. When I believe it and live it, it has tremendous power. When I believe that name and take hold of it, it's a name that's above every name. And the word is God. And he lives within us. And that, that word works in us. Everything we do is according to that word inside. We're here to live and to fight with that word. I, I hear many people, they think their prayers are somehow fighting. People talk about spiritual warfare and they want to um, jabber in tongues and shout and, and 
get hysterical. Well, just a minute. My Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the Word of God that does the work. When we come to fight, the only thing we fight with is God's Word. We're not there to, to believe we're, we're tackling devils and demons. That's rubbish. We have the Word of God. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Freedom's in the truth. The truth is His Word. He is the Word. God is the Word. And the whole thing is, when we go out and preach, we actually preach Christ. And that brings life. And life is what we need. And healing comes through life. God does it. Philippians 1. Go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, um, 21. Paul says, For me... What does he say? For me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. A true Christian, when they live, they live the life of Christ. A true Christian who knows Christ living inside, you live like in the nature of God because God lives in you you can't be a Christian in your own power you can only be a Christian in his power you can't live and love the way God intends only God can love the way he intends that's why the Holy Spirit came to shed the love of God abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost I can't love the way God intends but for his love in me you can't do it it's got to be the love of God in you. It's Christ in you. And so Paul can write and he say, I live, nevertheless not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's God in you. And if God isn't in you, you can't be a Christian. If Christ's life isn't in you, living in you, every moment of every day, you will never live a Christian life. You can't. And that's what God intended. He intended to bring each one of us into the reality of his life. That's what makes it so easy. It's not difficult. So Paul says, for me to live is Christ. To die, gain. Turn with me to Acts 19. Just a couple more scriptures. In Acts 19... Verse 70, um, well, you remember, um, oh, let's take it from verse 13, it's a bit, bit of, verse, um, verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, 
took upon them to call over them which had an evil, evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached. Now, the thing is, it's no good you taking what I say and thinking what I say applies to you if you don't live it. It's no good you taking the words that I say and say, okay, well, I, I believe in the name of Jesus and I'll use the name of Jesus as Michael believes because you'll be in trouble. Along came these guys and they thought, okay, we'll use the name Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of, of one Sceva, a Jew, chief of, of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and overcame them and prevailed against them. So they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it, 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. The word of God didn't just multiply now, it prevailed over everything. Here were the people and the believers, they didn't confess till after they had believed. Once they believe, they confess. Now you notice the sons of Sceva ended up as streakers, ran off naked. Uh, one man overcame them, off they fled. It's no good taking the name of Jesus and thinking it'll work for you. It's no good taking the word of God and thinking it'll work for you. If Jesus doesn't live in you, and you don't live it, it won't work for you. You'll find you will be overcome. If you challenge evil when you haven't got that life, you're in trouble. And these seven sons of Sceva, they all thought, oh, well, you know, we'll use the name of Jesus that Paul preached. You can't. It's not a superstition, it's a life lived. And that life lived has to be lived by you. It's no good saying, well, Jesus will bless me, Jesus will uh, prosper me, Jesus will heal me, if you don't live the life. It's a lifestyle to be lived. It's the nature of God in you. It is not a philosophy, it is not a doctrine, it is not a teaching, it is the person of Christ in you. And if he doesn't live in you, I want to tell you, all you have is religion and it's dead. And when you confront trouble, you're going to find it won't work for you. I often have people come to me and say, why didn't it work for me? Simple, because you don't obey. You don't do what the Bible says. And when you don't do what it says, it doesn't work. Because it's life. If you don't live it, it's just a theory like any other theory. I think it was Mao Zedong in his little red book wrote, it is easy for a man to be good for a little while. 
And anyone can come into church, make a decision, and be good for a little while. Trouble is, won't last. Because as soon as you get out there, you're going to find you go back to your old ways. Because there's no change inside. The difference is when Christ is inside, it becomes your life. Okay, um, chapter 20. Chapter 20 and um, 20. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they, were all, they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. The one thing you have to understand is the word of his grace. Paul, when he's leaving people, he says, Now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Do you know, the one thing that builds you up is God's word. As a Christian, if you don't live that word, eat that word, know the word, study the word, you won't grow. You just won't. A lot of people come in and they say, well, I can't understand. Why don't I develop in God? Why don't I go on in God? Well, you just don't do what God says. You've got to know the word. You've got to live the word. You've got to be the word. And when you are, things happen. And when you're not, you're in trouble. Okay? It'll build you up. It'll cause you to stand. It's the word of God. It's not some magic. It's not someone laying hands on you and praying for you and then you say, ah, now I'll grow. No, you won't. You've got to do it, live it, be it. Okay? And the last one is um, in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 6. John 6. Verse 53, Jesus says this. He said, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat my f the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you shall have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. 
This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your father did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And of course, it offended a lot of people. They went away. Goodness me, eat flesh, drink blood. But Jesus wasn't meaning that. It wasn't meaning you took his body and his blood. It wasn't meaning that, you know, you could get a priest kind of praying over bread and wine and it would somehow change mystically into the body and blood of Christ. That, that wasn't what he was talking about. He was talking about the very life of God. You've got to live. It's got to be part of your life. You eat it. You live it. Every part of you. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you think should go God's way. You live by God's word. You walk by God's word. Your life is by his power. That's what it's talking about. Not some mystical kind of ritual, but the reality of life. God expects you to have his nature. You're meant to love as God loves. Live as God lives. When people meet you, they should meet the living Christ because you live the right way. When people talk with you, they should hear the word of God through your lips. You should be as the oracles of God. Your whole life should be enveloped in him. And if it's not, it's just religion you have. Everything you do should be like him. To be like Jesus. That's what it's about. And it's not an imitation, it's having his life in you. Not that you'll have the fullness of his life, but everything you are will declare his life. It's the word of God in you. And when you go out and you speak, miracles happen because you're speaking in this word. Part of your life, part of your being. The name's fine. But the name without the life is nothing. You do understand that. You can say, well, uh, let, let me give you an example. The prodigal son went off into a far country. He lived in father's house, but when he got in a far country, he ended up with the pigs. He ended up losing everything. Now, the only way he could benefit from father's house was to go back and live under the roof of his father. The only way you'll benefit is living under the wings of the eternal God. What you won't do is benefit if you run off and do your own thing. The name you might have, but it doesn't apply when you live in a far country. They say, well, who's this? When you go out and you start sharing with people, what they want to know is where you belong, to whom you belong. Now, if you live the wrong way, it's no good saying, well, I belong to Jesus. What they want to know is, hey, just a minute. But you've got to live according to the nature. It's, it's not a, enough to say, oh, well, I believe all that's in the Bible. What we want to know is, do you live it? Oh, well, I'm a Christian. It's a Christian business. Fine. But do you live it? Well, we're a Christian family. Fine. But how are your children? Do you live it? 
Oh, we've got a Christian heritage. Yeah, but it's what you live that is what you are. Not what you say and what you believe, but how you live. And that's what God's looking at. The Word has to be flesh. The Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The incarnation of God's Son. And you have to become the incarnation of God's Word today. God wants you to be a living witness of the living life of God on earth today. So when people meet you, they meet him. When people come in contact with you, they hear what God's saying, what God's thinking, how God behaves. It's that simple. Okay? Is that fair? So what have you got to be? Well, my trying to teach you a lot. What have you got to be? The Word, haven't you? Living. Incarnate. I've got to be it. It's no good saying, oh, well, God said, yeah, but what are you doing? It's no good trying to deal with the devil if you don't live it. If you're not living the word, forget it. It's no good claiming the name if you're not in the nature of God. It's no good claiming to be something that clearly your life belies. God wants us to be real people. A hypocrite is someone who play acts. He pretends. A true Christian is someone who lives it every moment of every day. So we've got the two things that go together. The name and the word. You've got to speak it out. You've got to believe it. And that's the only thing that will save people. When you talk to them, you've got to share the nature of Christ with them. Hey, this is the way Jesus is. The world doesn't know how Jesus is. People don't know what Jesus is like. We're here to tell them. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Sent him to redeem you. You can be different. Today he'll heal you. Today he can deliver you. You don't have to live with bondage, you don't have to live with guilt, you don't have to live with fear. There's a God in heaven who loves you. And it's all to do with love. It's a proclamation of love, care, holiness, freedom. And it's wonderful. And it's easy. It's the word of God. It's living. When it became alive for me, everything changed. 33 years ago. Everything changed in my life, inside. And when it becomes alive to you, everything changes. I believe in it with all my heart. Let's pray, just where you are. Bow your heads. You know, God sees... God sees you. Don't look round. Close your eyes. Bow your head. God sees you as an individual. It's not an emotion you need. It's truth. Not an experience. It's life. He sent forth his word. 
and healed. It's a matter of faith in that word. It's simple. It's real. And God always accomplishes what he sent it to do. His name's above every name. There's no disease, no bondage that can be above his name, the name of Jesus. And this morning is here for you. Not angry, not against you, he loves you. He's good, he's merciful, he's mighty. He's a good God. You've heard. Now you have a choice what you do. You can carry on the wrong way or you can change and live the right way. You can choose to live by the word or you can say well I'll just live my own way one will bring eternal life the other brings separation from God and he's here not angry with you he loves you too much didn't come to condemn you, he came to forgive you. Didn't come to accuse you, came to set you free. Father, I just pray for each one here this morning. Lord, your word is true. I just pray you'll let that word work in each heart, each life. Lord, you'll transform with your word. And Lord, I just lift each sick one to you. I thank you that it's your hand that touches, your power that heals. This day I curse every affliction, every disease, every sickness in the name of Jesus. Lord, from this day let strength and health flow to each one. Loose the bands and let your healing power flow. I thank you that you came to glorify yourself and it's your name we honor and your life. Lord, let each one of us glorify thee. Let us be to the praise of your glory. Let each one of us live the way you intend from this day. Lord, let that word work in us, keep us and make us whole, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.